Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pot of Gold Extra Point is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your cravings for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And brought to you by Tire Rack, the way tire buying should be. Another edition of the Pot of Gold Extra Point. This, Duke and Notre Dame, we've done eight of these, so we decided to change it up a little bit. My name is Tom Noy. I'm the Notre Dame sports columnist for the South Bend Tribune, joined by my Notre Dame sports colleague, Carter Carls. I'm sitting in Durham, North Carolina. Carter Carls is back in our studios in South Bend. Carter, what's happening, my man? Hey, everything's normal with me, but you're the one uh, covering (laughs) basketball now. It's Christmas for you. It is. Uh, I'm on extended road trip. the, The reason I am still down here, in the Triangle region, which I must say, we're taping this on a Thursday afternoon. It is currently sunny, 75 degrees, and I'm sitting in a hotel room while you guys are back in South Bend where it's, what, probably 33? 30, something like that, and <laughs> sleeting a little bit. So, yeah, I hate you now. Thanks. <laughs> so I'm down here, obviously, to cover Notre Dame Duke. Saturday night, Wallace Wade Stadium, 730 Kickoff time, ACC Network has the telecast. We'll tell you in a minute on how to watch that telecast if you do not get ACC Network. And there are a lot of people, at least in the South Bend area, that do not get ACC Network on on their cable system. So I was down here last night, speaking of ACC Network, Notre Dame, North Carolina, they tip off the 2019-2020 college basketball season with an ACC conference game that was on ACC network. And for the Irish, they meant well, they wanted to pull the upset against ninth ranked North Carolina in the Smith center, 21,700 people there. They didn't really have much of an answer for a guy by the name of Cole Anthony. He was pretty good. Yeah. Cole Anthony show with 34 points. I mean, first game in college for him and, I mean, what a showing, but yeah, like you said, I mean, read your story, seemed like T.J. Gibbs was was playing like the old T.J. Gibbs, and and, and Notre Dame played probably better than what most expected, right? They did. Uh, T.J. Gibbs, good to see him regain his sophomore year form. Junior year for T.J. Gibbs was an absolute disaster. Last night, 19 points, 4 assists. Prentice Hub, sophomore guard for the Irish, career high, 22 points, 6 assists. Prentice Hub was saying in the days leading up to this game that he didn't want to make it a personal battle between himself and Cole Anthony. But Anthony, 34 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, played 37 minutes. And to to make matters worse, Cole Anthony picked North Carolina over Notre Dame in the spring. So what could have been for the Irish, imagine what Cole Anthony would have been for this backcourt and this basketball team and making shots. 
Cole Anthony goes 12 of 24 from the field, 6 of 11 from three. And Mike Bray was stunned after the game. He said he had watched Cole Anthony play AAU basketball since he was a sophomore in high school. And the one knock on Cole Anthony's game was that he couldn't make an outside shot. Not necessarily he couldn't make an outside shot. He wouldn't take outside shots. He tried to drive to the basket. He tried to set up his teammates for good looks. If he had an open look, he wasn't going to take it. He was taking open looks last night. Knocks down 6 of 11. Like we said, finishes with 34 points. North Carolina wins 76-65. So Notre Dame 0-1 on the year. 0-1 in ACC play. Back in South Bend on Saturday, we'll try to get back to 1-1 facing Robert Morris. Yeah, I know once, once, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, the football team – gets that second loss, they, they're out of college football playoff discussion, you, you almost think, well, at least it's basketball season. And I, I think that was, uh, you know, a, a good first showing to, to maybe uh, exceed expectations a little bit. But but going back to the Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game, Tom, um, I, I want to get your thoughts, just kind of your general takeaways for what you made of the performance. Because, yeah, they, they came out flat, they looked tight, but they ended up pulling out the gutsy win. What, what do you kind of make of it all? It was interesting listening to Brian Kelly's press conference back on campus on Monday when he started the press conference by saying, you know what, it's a little quieter around here this week. Not a lot of people talking. What, what happened to all the noise? And, and it was funny because I don't know if people – I don't know if, I don't know how they want – they were supposed to react to, to that game. Notre Dame comes in a 17-and-a-half-point favorite, playing at home, playing to have a massive bounce-back effort after what happened the previous week against Michigan when they were an absolute no-show in Ann Arbor. And they need Ian Book to basically play the part of Superman and lead them on an 18-play, 87-yard <laughs> drive that took two minutes and 59 seconds, and they converted two fourth downs. They, yeah. they don't convert those two fourth downs, uh, pat, both passes to Jafar Armstrong and Clay, Chase Claypool you're looking at another loss. So I, I think that there wasn't much noise around South Bend this week because people thought, we don't know what to make of this team. Like it, it was, they were going to, they were going to beat Virginia tech by two, three touchdowns. They win 21, 20, they get to six and two. And it's just something where it's, it, it's almost like, it's almost like playing in the NSA tournament for right now for, for this Notre Dame football team. It's, it's survive in advance, like find a way, <laughs> just find a way to beat Virginia tech. And we'll we'll wipe clear any of the problems that, that that Notre Dame may have had against Virginia Tech, and now just focus on Duke. They're six and two. They're no, they're ranked fifteenth in the country. There you go. Heading into the season, I think most people expected ten and two, something something around that range. And I mean, they're, they're going to be favored in every game probably the the rest of the season. And what's crazy to me is. They might end up ten and two, and all the people that picked them to go ten and two, and all the fans that expected them to go ten and two, won't be happy. But I completely get it because that's you know ten and two on paper is a lot different than what it actually might look like if they keep pulling out wins like this, and you you continue to see the regression from quarterback Ian Book. I think what people want to see and what would leave people at least a little bit fulfilled at the end of the season is if Ian Book can at least show something in these last few games, return to his ways 
last season and win these games in comfortable fashion. I, I think Notre Dame needs to beat Duke by, you know, 17, 20 points this weekend for people to be satisfied with that. And then going forward, you're, you're talking about Navy, Boston College, Stanford. They need to win those games comfortably. And I know Navy will be the toughest among those three, but I, I think it's to the point where th- this Virginia Tech business, that, that can't happen again. You're listening to the Pot of Gold Extra Point presented by Zaxby's. Let's take a short break. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown. Back on the pot of gold, extra point, presented by Zaxby's, talking Notre Dame, talking Duke. Carter, you're absolutely right. Like, you can't you can't come down here to the triangle this weekend and beat Duke, say, 24-21, or need that last-second drive from Ian Book to, to, to pull out of a win against an, really an average team. Like, you, you look at Duke. Who have they beaten? Like they're 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 four and four right now. Their wins are against North Carolina A and T, Middle Tennessee State, Georgia Tech, and oh by the way, they beat Virginia Tech forty five to ten. So I think that will get Brian Kelly's attention. That'll get Brian Kelly's players' attention. Like this this is a team that rolled a team that we barely beat the previous week. So you better bring your A game down there. It's gonna be it's a, it, it's gonna be a different type of atmosphere. Because the other the other three road games that Notre Dame has played all at night, just like Saturday, those are in, in front of some raucous crowds. Louisville, eh, maybe it was okay. Georgia, n- what needs to be said about the crowd at Sanford yeah. Stadium? And then the crowd two weeks ago in Ann Arbor, yeah, it was raining, but it was 105,000 people. Wallace Wade Stadium barely holds 40,000 people, so it's it's a di- it's going to be a different type of atmosphere, but it can't be a different type of effort for this Notre Dame team. Like you can't, you can't walk in there thinking, yeah, we're going to, we're, we're going to roll these guys. Ian book. Uh, it, I think if Brian Kelly and, and chip long had their way, there's no way Ian book should attempt 53 passes on Saturday. Like he did last week against Virginia tech. No. And, and I think most people thought he, he aired the ball out too much against Michigan as well. Um, and I know some circumstance had to do with that, but at the end of the day, you, you look at Ian Book's stat line. He had a team high, or he had a season high eleven throwaways. He had eight overthrows, many of which could have been really big plays. And and then you know he, he still had the little happy feet at times where he'd leave the pocket when he didn't have to. So there were a lot of problems in his game that uh, even are are more recent developments. Like I think earlier in the season, it was mostly. Uh, being poised in the pocket, staying in the pocket, and, and and doing those sort of things. But now, you you look at anticipation, and that's been a struggle for him. You know, anticipating when receivers are open and, and things of that nature. Um, going through his reads, that's been a struggle. He'll, he'll go to, to this first guy, and if it's not there, he'll 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 give up on the play at times. Um, and then he's just not making throws. I mean, uh, there were multiple times where he had Cole Komet open or Claypool open, and he's just missing them down the field. And so, look, 
he's a tough quarterback. I, I think what he showed on that final drive was really impressive when you when you consider all the pressure that was on him. But uh, he's got to make more plays. He's got to get the ball to the, his playmakers, and uh, he's got to kind of reverse what's been happening to him over the past few weeks. I'll take the incompletions, some of the incompletions during the first quarter or the second quarter, maybe late into the third, where he's got to play there and he just doesn't make that throw. If, like we saw the other day, he gets to the fourth quarter and you have you have the gotta-have-it drive yeah. late in the game and you complete two passes on fourth down, the one to Armstrong, the one to Claypool, that basically salvages that game. Like, it, it, it's... It's it's manageable to have Ian Book not make those completions early in the game if he's going to deliver the way he did late. Now, how many times can 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 you do that? Like you can't you can't follow that same pattern down here this weekend against Duke because you you'll be playing on the road. Not maybe not maybe much of a crowd atmosphere, but the longer that Duke stays in that game, they're going to feel like they're confident that they're going to come out with that victory. So Ian Book struggles, but how much? Carter are the struggles with Ian Book the fact that there's basically still no running game to speak of that's true especially inside running game I mean I I tracked this last week Jafar Armstrong was the lead back he had 13 inside runs for 25 yards only two of those 13 runs went for beyond three yards they just had no they they had nothing going on inside and um, I think a lot of that had to do with being without their starting right guard and Tommy Kramer and then losing their right tackle and Robert Hainsey, their, their team captain, four plays into the game. So, uh, But I also wonder if, if Jafar Armstrong, if, if he's not totally the complete back that we thought he was. Now, I, I know he's still getting back, but I think what he does best is, is on runs outside of the tackles, those outside zone, those outside run kind of plays, um, and then catching passes out of the backfield. I mean, he made one play on a swing pass on a third and 11 near the goal line where he juked the linebacker, went upfield, and then lowered his head and barreled his way for a few yards over, over a defensive back. Uh, he is really impressive in space. I think he's twitchy. I think he's fast. And then he's 220 pounds. He can barrel through guys, but he just can't seem to do it inside the tackles. And I know he was a wide receiver throughout high school. He was recruited as a wide receiver, moved to the running back position. So maybe it's the vision that's lacking for him. Maybe maybe it is just a circumstance without having the right guard, the right tackle. But he just couldn't get it going inside the tackles. It's just maybe he just doesn't have that feel as a running back to where he's got to make a cut here or he's got the hole there, especially inside. I mean, you look at what Jafar Armstrong did against uh, Virginia Tech. He had four catches for 49 yards, but then he also he ran the ball a career high 19 times against the Hokies, but managed only 37. So I I, I think that's that's a pretty good point where he's best used and utilized in this offense out in space because. Yeah, he's a running. It says it says RB next to Jafar Armstrong's name on the depth chart on the roster. But I think at heart he's still a wide receiver to where he likes to play in space. He doesn't like to to, to be caught up in all that traffic that you're involved in when you're running between the tackles and it's third and two and you got to get a first down. We also have to have to mention the fact that 
Notre Dame was they they lost Tommy Kramer against Michigan. They lose Robert Hainsey early against Virginia Tech, but they also did not have their leading rusher in Tony Jones against Virginia Tech. Still with the with the upper body injury, Brian Kelly believes both Armstrong and Jones will be healthy, will be ready to roll against Duke. Jones is the inside guy. Uh, he's the leading yep. rusher on the team, but he's also the guy that's going to get you the tough yards. He's not going to break away and run run away from defenders like a Jafar Armstrong could once he gets in space. But I think missing Tony Jones was a problem against Virginia Tech. When Ian Book is your leading rusher and you're also <laughs> asking your quarterback to throw it over 50 times a game, your offense has some issues going forward here. And what, even when you look back at Tony Jones and what he was able to do not the fastest back, but it also seemed like there were times where he found the most success on those outside runs. So maybe it's more of, look, Cole Komet, Tommy Trimble, the blocking on the outside has been good and has set up some of these longer runs. And then inside, maybe maybe having a freshman at center, maybe having uh, two guards that can, can, can be questionable at times. Maybe that has led into the fact that they haven't been able to pound it in. You know, they had short yardage situations earlier in the year that they they couldn't seem to convert. So I think having Jones back will help them in that regard. He's He's a bigger bruiser, 224 pounds. He can barrel his way on a third and one for a first down, fall forward. So I like their chances adding Jones in. But but then in a in the grand scheme of things, you look at the versatility they bring. Both of those guys have not been healthy for a full game since yep. the first drive against Louisville. I asked Jafar Armstrong when he felt like he was completely 100%. It was the Michigan game, not the USC game, where, where he made his return. And, and so I, I think when you have both of those guys back, you can line up Tony Jones in the backfield, Jafar Armstrong in the slot. You can have the two back sets. And then the possibilities for the offense grows. I mean, I, th- I think Armstrong does show a lot catching passes out of the backfield. He caught a 26-yard screen last week that was really impressive. It was a slow-developing screen, uh, and, and certainly there was some really good blocking on that play, and it was a well-designed play. But I, I think the possibilities grow, and it will be made easier on Ian Book once you have more of this versatility and you have better inside run uh, running back in Tony Jones. You're listening to the Pot of Gold Extra Point presented by Zaxby's. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16 year old Justin Mello, plus better known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Okay, before we get to more Notre Dame Duke talk, I'm going to give you instructions, Carter Carls, because you cannot watch the ACC Network. You cannot watch Saturday's game back in South Bend on your cable system. So do you want do you want some tips and do our re, do our listeners want some tips on how to watch Notre Dame Duke 730 
ACC network. You got a pen and pencil, pen or pe- piece well, of paper? Well, this is news to me because I have YouTube TV. <laughs> I thought. Oh, you have YouTube TV. Oh. You should be all right. Oh, okay. Hey, there I there I go. I don't need my pen and pencil. But no, but the, you didn't. You have YouTube TV, but you didn't watch the North Carolina basketball game on uh, on Wednesday night. I was right. I was writing my Jafar Armstrong story. Oh, you got to get that done later in the day. It's okay, football so the, season. Yeah, okay. It, it's no, 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 no. It's basketball season, <laughs> my man. It's basketball season. And oh, by the way, they're going to play football down here on Saturday night. So, for our listeners who do not get the ACC network, if you're a Comcast cable subscri- subscriber, you're not going to get Notre Dame and North Carolina or Notre Dame and Duke on the ACC network on Saturday, but here's how you can go to, you can, you can subscribe. Our boss, Bill Belinsky does not get ACC network. I walked him through the steps on, on Tuesday, on Wednesday night. He was able to watch part of the North Carolina Notre Dame men's basketball game. You go to tv.youtube.com to church to, and you, you're, you're able, once you get to that page, you're able to sign up for a free trial of YouTube TV. Like Carter said, YouTube TV does give you access to ACC Network. You'll be able to watch Saturday's game for free, no problem. And at the end of Saturday's game, win, lose, whatever the Irish do, you can cancel that that subscription for no fee, no penalty, no nothing. So you get a trial run of ACC Network Saturday, 7.30, Notre Dame and Duke, free of charge, and hopefully, moving forward, this is the last time Notre Dame fans have to jump through these hoops to watch something on ACC Network, right? <laughs> yeah, not a lot of uh, people thrilled about ACC Network, and I, we we asked Mike Barber with the Richmond Times Dispatch. I mean, he said that a lot of Virginia Tech fans don't even have ACC Network in their area. Like, it's not a regional thing, and that's just baffling to me. How can you be a network? Uh, that represents a conference and then it not go to every major carrier in those conferences regions like that that's just baffling to me i I can't like i have a sec network up here and i live Mm -hmm. in south bend indiana and so acc network should be on everything well it was interesting i read i read your story earlier this week you did the opponents view with steve wiseman uh, the Durham Herald Sun writes down here covers covers Duke football, covers Duke basketball, and you were asking him about what the reaction was about how this game lands on ACC Network, and he he basically he basically said, you know what, Duke fans really haven't given it a second thought. I guarantee yeah. you, that's Duke football. I guarantee you, <laughs> had this been Duke basketball and people down in North Carolina weren't able to get Duke basketball on the ACC Network. They would be scrambling just like Notre Dame football fans are this week, trying to figure out, number one, why in the world is this game on ACC Network? And number two, how can I watch it? But that's the demand of Duke football down here. Like Duke football (laughs) down here doesn't really move the meter. No, You've got North Carolina basketball down the road. You've got Duke Duke basketball and everything that they've accomplished with Mike Krzyzewski. You've got North Carolina State basketball. Duke football is like, eh, if we get to watch it, we get to watch it. If not, what time's the tailgate start? You got Wake Forest football, the Demon Deacons. <laughs> no. Um, anyways, I, I think uh, Duke, Duke too. I mean, they they haven't played 
very well recently. The, the Coastal Division is just so bizarre to me. Y- you have no idea what you're going to get at times. You look at Duke, beginning of the year they start 3-1. and one. Yeah, they have a bad loss to Alabama, but beating Virginia Tech by 35 points, I mean, it's, we saw what Virginia Tech did last week. It, it's, that's nothing to, I, I guess, look over. But then then they lose to Vir, Vir, Virginia 48-14, to 14, and they lose three of their next four in October. Their the quarterback's not playing well. Their defense has given up some points. So uh, a different – a different second part of the season. It's been a, a two-part season so far for Duke. And uh, and I expect that to, to favor Notre Dame because, I mean, last week Virginia Tech was riding a three-game winning streak. They're coming off a bye. And I thought, okay, this, this double-digit uh, favorite thing I don't understand because Virginia Tech's playing great football. Notre Dame's not playing great football. But now I see Notre Dame – might be coming in with momentum. They're not going to be playing as tight, in, in my opinion. And then Duke is playing their absolute worst football this season. So I expect Notre Dame to win by double digits. And the pressure's all on Duke with this one. Everybody can talk about, well, Notre Dame's had their struggles on the road. Last time they went on the road, they didn't show up against Michigan. They barely beat Virginia Tech. They've got to come back and play a ranked Navy team at home, which is going to be a really tough game yeah. a week from this weekend. All the pressure's on Notre Dame. No, 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 no. All of it's on Duke. Duke is 4-4. Four and four. They've got four games left. Three of those are at home. The whole month of November, they're basically playing at home. They've got to play Notre Dame, Syracuse. They go to Wake Forest, and then they've got to play Miami. They need to get two more wins somewhere along the line to, to become bowl eligible and get to six victories on the year. You look at it, you're like, who are they going to beat? Maybe, maybe Syracuse? Maybe Miami? I don't see them going west on I-40 and, and beating Wake Forest in Winston-Salem in a couple of weeks. So yeah. this is this is a tough one for Duke to, with, with everything coming in, with Notre Dame coming in. And then also, yeah, Duke's coming off a bye, but they're coming off a crusher, also coming off a crusher loss to North Carolina, 20-17. Yeah. Their rival, Duke and North Carolina, are only about seven miles apart. To lose that game in that fashion, Quentin Harris, quarterback, he had a pretty good day. He was 22 of 39 for 229 yards. But to lose in that fashion and have to sit with that during a bye week, this is going to be a tough one for Duke, I think. Duke reached North Carolina's goal line, like inside the five-yard line twice, and got three points out of it. The last time they got there, they were first and goal at the two with about 30 seconds left, I believe. They tried to run this trick play. They handed it off to the running back. He gets hit as he throws it. They're handing it off, and then he was throwing it like a, a jump pass sort of thing. And he's getting hit as he threw, and it was an easy interception in the game. Um, you think, hey, maybe if they just throw it four times, they, they probably have a better chance. But to lose like that to your rival, for that to be your third loss in four games, I think they're going to be je- dejected. And and I like Notre Dame's defense in this one because I, I think – all the talk has been centered on Ian Book, and justifiably so, but we need to talk about Notre Dame's defense back and bouncing back. They, they brought back the physicality against Virginia Tech, only gave up one defensive touchdown, really, um, and, and I thought they played well. They, Clark Lee is dialing a lot of things up. He's mixing things up game to game. I think kind of their strategy this season has been, okay, we, we can't, beat the run and the pass 
So let's sell out on one and cross our fingers with the other. And I think you know you you saw that against Georgia where they sell out against the run and and make Jake Fromm make throws. They did that against Virginia Tech, and their quarterback couldn't make the throws. And so I think what they're going to do against Duke, they're going to sell out the run. They're going to have the five-man fronts like we've seen recently, and they're going to challenge Quentin Harris to throw, and I don't think he's going to be able to make those throws. So Saturday's game against Duke is going to be similar to what this Notre Dame defense showed against Virginia, where you've got the defensive ends and the the, the line. Everybody's just playing downhill and going after the quarterback and making the quarterback make quick reads, get the ball out of his hands fast, make quick decisions. They weren't Bryce Perkins wasn't able to do that against Virginia. It's going to be really tough for Duke to do that against this Notre Dame defense because, like you said, for as close as last week's game was with Virginia Tech, with Notre Dame only winning twenty-one twenty, look at what this team did, did defensively. Like Virginia Tech, they only man, they only got two hundred and forty total yards. That's a pretty good defensive yeah. effort from your man Clark Lee after after the disaster the previous week against Michigan. And I don't know if Duke has the playmakers that Virginia Tech has. I mean, you Mm-mm. think of Damon Hazelton. Uh, I I just think that uh, Quentin Harris he, he completed fifty percent of his passes for the month of October. It was a tough October for him, and he never really puts up a lot of yards through the air. Really, more of a run first guy. So I really think that they're going to be throwing a lot at him and. Um, I'm going to look for a few guys to, to, to maybe force some turnovers. Notre Dame's got to get back into winning the turnover margin like they did before the Michigan and Virginia Tech games. Um, I'm looking for Troy Pride to make his first interception since game four of last year against Wake Forest. You know, kind of where has he been? Um, and, and then, hey, maybe this is a game where Kyle Hamilton gets another pick. So, um, yeah, I think this is an opportunity for Notre Dame's defense to kind of cement themselves. I know the Virginia Tech game was kind of that bounce-back game, but they can show that that Michigan game was a mirage because other than the Michigan game and the first couple drives against Louisville, maybe the first parts of the Virginia game, this Notre Dame defense has been pretty solid this year. All right, Carter Carls, question for you. Okay. Saturday, do we see a Notre Dame defensive touchdown for the first time in what, since maybe Kyle Hamilton's pick six? Oof. Um, and Myron Tagovailoa most almost had one too. Um, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it, it's always more likely than not that there will be a defensive, that there won't be a defensive touchdown. Um, and it's not like Duke is, I, I, I guess like my thing is, I, I, I really want to see them win the turnover margin again. I think that's the most important thing. And then I really think Troy Pride needs a game where he has three pass breakups and an interception because mm-hmm. I, I think it's been tough for him moving to boundary cornerback this year. There have been times where the, the number one receiver he's had to guard has gotten the best of him. I think he's really struggled on jump balls. He's He's really good at – Staying on the guy's hip and um, and and being there to make the play, it's just finishing the play that's not working for him. He he does a little too much hand fighting and grabbing. He 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 doesn't always look around to the ball. Um, and because of that, 
um, the wide receiver either gets the best of them or will get called for a pass interference uh, on a few on more than a few occasions. So um, I think he's right there. It's not like he lacks the speed or or the skill. I think just the transition has been a learning curve for him and maybe this is the game where it turns for him. You know, he's not going to have to guard a dynamic receiver uh, like he has in the past uh, few games. So, yeah, maybe this is the game where he ends up with an interception. And there aren't many guys who are stand-up guys and just flat-out honest on this football team like Troy Pride. Like, he, yeah. after, after, after football games, he's an unbelievable quote. You got to love there. him. You love you absolutely have to love him. He's there. He's answering questions. He'll give you a, a, a colorful, colorful comment. He he won't just be like, yeah, well, you know, we just followed we followed the game plan and this and. That. But you know what? For, for as stand up a guy as he is, Troy Pride, he's really struggled this year. Like it's yeah. it's it's hard to watch because he's such an honest, good dude. But then you see him and he's and he's getting caught up with 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 pass interference calls. Guys are catching balls that maybe he he can he can knock away and break up. Troy Price got to got to be really really good the last couple of weeks of the season to take some of the pressure off the other side with Dante Vaughn now moving into more of a role. I'm still not sold that Dante Vaughn is is a starting quality cornerback for this football team yet. Going forward and and into 2020, I think the biggest concern is the cornerback position because Mm -hmm. they're going to lose Troy Pride, they're going to lose Sean Crawford, and then they're going to lose Dante Vaughn. And the only person left on the roster, the only cornerback that has played in high leverage snaps will be Tariq Bracey. And and then you've got uh, freshman K.J. Wallace, Isaiah Rutherford, haven't seen any snaps this year. And then you've got three, possibly four, coming in from the 2020 recruiting class, and none of those guys are really ready-made players. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at cornerback. And uh, I think if if you're looking at a position of concern where they need some guys to send this offseason, you know, this past offseason it was linebacker, and I think this next offseason it's going to be cornerback. Okay, so everybody gets to decompress a little bit after the Virginia Tech game on Sunday afternoon. You know, we try to take a day off on Sunday, but not Carter Carls because he had to chase down a commitment with Isaiah Pryor. What can you what can you tell us about Isaiah Pryor and his commitment? He's going to have two years of eligibility left. He's going to come to Notre Dame from Ohio State as a graduate transfer. What kind of a commitment or what kind of a pickup was it for Notre Dame? to land Isaiah Pryor earlier this week. The Isaiah Pryor commitment is one that I believe comes with little risk and high upside. And and why I mean that is because Jalen Elliott's leaving this year. Ohi Gilman might leave early for the NFL draft. And if that's true, that leaves little depth, little bodies at the safety position. Uh, and then you'll have two guys – that have played high leverage snaps, Kyle Hamilton, Houston Griffith, but Houston Griffith's just moved to safety, and mm-hmm. they they've been doing a lot of new things this year with safety. I think they learned from last year, where Alohi Gilman, Jalen Elliott were getting buried to the ground almost because they're playing every single snap. So they they started this rotation thing this year where Kyle Hamilton comes in 
every few drives, comes in for third down and long packages, those dime packages. And I think they want to continue that. And I think the, the, the worst case scenario for Isaiah Pryor will be that he'll be a rotational guy that will see the field every few drives on third down and long, and he'll rotate with Kyle Hamilton and Houston Griffith. The best case scenario is he becomes a starter alongside Kyle Hamilton, and, and he's got the pedigree to match it. He was a top 100 overall player in the 2017 recruiting class. He came to Ohio State who molds and and just seems to churn out incredible defensive backs year after year, and he was able to start as early as his sophomore year. He started seven games. He had an interception, he, he, but he just kind of lost his place on the depth chart. He ended up being a, a second a teamer when, by the time it was all said and done. But I, I think he comes to Notre Dame. He, he, he will be here in January. He'll, he'll play in 2020 and in the 2021 season. And I think the upside's great because, look, he, he seems to have the traits. He's a hard-hitting safety that, that will punish guys across the middle. And I think the upside's great if he can become a starter next year, and I think it's possible. 72 degrees and sunny still down here in Raleigh. I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> You're making Does me that mad. Hurt? Does that hurt? It hurts my feelings. <laughs> Oh, you should be used to the warm weather by now, my man. The cold weather, you mean? I mean, the cold weather. I'll never be. No? Well, did you see some guy on Twitter gave me uh, some mess, said, <laughs> you're soft, you should go back to Texas, you can't handle the cold weather up here. And I'm thinking, You can't? I'm thinking, who can handle the cold weather? You can't tell me that anybody is happy with this. And if you well, are, you're lying. Can. Nobody's happy with it, but uh, also we kind of get used to it to where we're not driving into snowdrifts like every other week like somebody was last year. I won't mention any names. Hey, that was only like seven times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give me one guy, one guy that you want to keep an eye on uh, Saturday when Notre Dame comes down here and plays Duke. Tony Jones Jr. How healthy is he? How available is he? What's the workload? He tore some cartilage in his ribs. I feel like they've kind of downplayed it. He was a game time decision last week. They they've been, you know, good on him playing this week. But torn cartilage in your ribs. I mean, any rib injury is, is very iffy because it can affect your breathing. It's easy to kind of re-injure. Almost it almost makes you more cautious. They were cautious with how they brought Jafar Armstrong back and. Certainly, he, he took a longer hiatus from, from football. But I think Tony Jones, I want to see, is he on a snap count? Are they using him in, in niche ways where only only certain situations? I think he, he's the Tony Jones we remember. That'll be amazing for Notre Dame. He and Jafar Armstrong have not been on the field for a full game, completely healthy, since the first drive against Louisville. So seeing him back would be amazing for this Notre Dame offense. And it would really help guys like Jafar Armstrong, Jameer Smith, and Avery Davis, no matter, regardless of what type of workload they get in the backfield, to, to be able to give the ball to Tony Jones and know that he's going to grind out some of those tough yards might loosen it up for the rest of those guys. And Ian Book, you don't want Ian Book running for another 50 yards <laughs> and throwing it 50 times. So Tony Jones is your guy. 
My guy to watch on Saturday, I'll stay on the offensive side of the ball. I think last week against Virginia Tech, we could finally say this was a Chase Claypool game. Eight catches, 118 yards, Oof. made some really tough catches. That one catch on the sideline when he dragged his foot. Crazy. I don't think there's three guys in college football that can make a play like that. That's a game that we've been waiting for from Chase Claypool. Now let's see him do it again on the road. Let's see him let's see him and Ian Book just just kind of get together on a drive and get three, four, five passes that, that, that Book throws Claypool's way and they go right down the field against his Duke defense. That would that would really show something uh, about what what Chase Claypool's become coming off arguably his best game of his career. Yeah, and I'll add one more thing about Chase Claypool. I mean, I, I think he has earned himself a lot of money this year, and, and these last few games he could continue to earn himself a lot of money. And he's the type of player, I think he, he's, he's like Miles Boykin in the fact that mm-hmm. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people at the Combine, the numbers that he's going to be able to put up, the vertical, the 40-yard dash. Uh, the the one issue for him, it's an absolutely loaded wide receiver class this 2020 NFL draft. But hey, maybe he's still a player that can creep his way into the second round, you know, discussion or or maybe even late first. I mean, I don't know, but he is certainly good enough to get at least drafted where Miles Boykin did last year, third round. So I think these last few games are huge for him in terms of how much money he could he can make for himself and the the one fact that's going to separate chase claypool from a lot of wide receivers eric hansen our colleague at the tribune has written about this the last couple of years is chase claypool's not only his willingness but his ability to stand out playing special teams yeah he can play he can play on those special teams right away regardless of whether or not he's in the wide receiver rotation on sundays that is going to put Chase Claypool high up on a lot of NFL teams' draft boards as a guy that that can bring versatility, that can bring talent, athleticism, and bring it right away. So keep an eye on Chase Claypool moving forward. Cole Komet, I think he's going to be the first Notre Dame player drafted in the 2020 NFL draft. Look at that. You're you're already having having him go pro. Breaking news. I we mean, have breaking news. Carter Carl's reporting yeah. that Cole Komet is going to go pro. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> Look, why would he not? I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick. Unlike Chase, you know, he's got a loaded class of wide receivers in front of him. Cole Komet's got nobody to compete with. He is clearly the best in this class. If he doesn't go pro, I, I get it. But if he does, he's going to be the first tight end taken. And it will be in the first round. There you go. So we'll file that away for the podcast that we do in April heading into the NFL draft. And Carter Carlson can say, you heard it here first back in November <laughs> that Cole Komet was going to be a first-round draft pick. Yeah. All right, you ready for predictions? How about some predictions? I'm ready. I'm thinking, All right, what do you got? I'm thinking Notre Dame 31, the Duke Blue Devils 17. <laughs> wow. As opposed to the Duke Red Devils? The Green kinda, Devils. You, you kind of put the emphasis on Blue Devils there. I did. I was trying to make my radio voice sound nice, but all right, you're going 31-17. I'm going to go somewhere in the same vicinity. I wrote down okay. before we started the show. I'm looking at Notre Dame 34, Duke 13. Maybe mm-hmm. Notre Dame scores a defensive touchdown. 
Maybe they score a special. No, I'm not going to go special teams route. Not on punts. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Certainly, certainly, Chris Fink's not taking a punt return back uh, to the end zone with the way they handle the punt return. So let's go 34-13. Notre Dame moves to 7-2 on the year. Maybe they jump a spot or two in the AP poll if they have an impressive victory. But they'll have their hands full and their workout form a week from Saturday when Navy comes to town. Looking forward to it. They got two top five rushing offenses left on the schedule, Boston College, Navy. They certainly having their physicality back against Virginia Tech was a great sign that they'll be able to to at least hold their own against that. And I think this will be a game where they can this defense can cement themselves. And then certainly Ian Book going to have more confidence. May not be playing as tight against Virginia Tech. This is a game where you can bust down the barn doors and really build off something. Okay, well, you go bundle up and stay warm down there. I'm rocking the shorts and the short sleeve shirt. I'm going to go find someplace nice to eat a little lunch outdoors down here. How about that? I like it. I like it. <laughs> Wear the your swim trunks. <laughs> no, no swim trunks. Sorry. None of that. So we'll see. The Pot of Gold Extra Point is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And brought to you by Tire Rack, the way tire buying should be.